morning. I'm looking forward to this fifth Sunday at the South Edmonton Church. I appreciate very much uh, the opportunity to come and always renew our fellowship and share a message with you from the Word of God. Today I want to speak on what I consider to be one of the greatest needs in the church today and what the Bible calls the greatest virtue of New Testament Christianity. In 1 Corinthians 13, 13, Paul said, And now abideth faith, hope, and love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. The abiding things of life and the sustaining elements of New Testament Christianity are stated by Paul in this one verse of Scripture. And he said the greatest of these is love. There are many love chapters in the Bible, 1 Corinthians 13 being one of them, having often been called the love chapter of the Bible because it's there that Paul deals in a very specific way with the nature of genuine Christian love. Also, Romans 12 is a very significant chapter on love because it's there that Paul makes a very practical application of love in our relationship as brothers and sisters in Christ. In Romans 12.10, Paul said, Be kindly affectioned one to another in brotherly love and honor preferring one another. But I believe that the context of all contexts of Scripture that really tells us what love is and what love does is found in 1 John chapter 4, 7 through 21. And from this text of Scripture this morning, I would like to share with you three things that love is and three things that love does. First of all, love is the very essence of God. In 1 John 4, 7, John said, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and he that loveth is born of God, and knoweth God. He that loveth not, knoweth not God, for God is love. And so when we take all that God is, and all that God has done, and express it in one word, that word is love. Love is the very essence of God's being, the very essence of God's character, and the very essence of God's activity. And we're not like God unless we love. And God is not in us unless we love. We're not in God unless we love. And we do not know God unless we love. It matters not what we say or what we claim. We may claim to know God, but we do not know God unless we love. We may have read the Scriptures, and in our reading of the Scriptures, claim that we've come to know the Lord, but we don't know the Lord unless we love. That's precisely what John states in this text of Scripture. Love is not only the essence of God, love is Calvary. In 1 John 4, 9, John said, This is how we know what love is. Because in this was manifested the love of God toward us, that He sent His one and only Son into the world that we might live through Him. And here in His love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us 
and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. If God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. And so love is not only the essence of God. Love is Calvary. Love is Golgotha, that moment of moments when death was abolished and life and immortality was brought to light through the gospel. The death of Jesus Christ is the highest manifestation of God's love for fallen man. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have life everlasting. John 3 and verse 16. And this is how we know what love is. Christ laid down his life for us. 1 John 3 and verse 16. And greater love hath no man than this than to lay down his life for his friends, John 15 and verse 13. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. And how did God so love us? He laid down his life for us. And he laid down his life for us while we were yet sinners. Romans 5 and verse 8. And he laid down his life for us when we loved not and when we cared not. If God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. Love is not only the essence of God, and love is not only the cross of God, but love is the evidence that God lives in us and works through us. It's the evidence that you and I have been born again. It's the evidence that you and I have been born from above. John State said in 1 John 4 verse 7, and notice what he states in 1 John 4.12. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, if we love one another, God lives in us. And his love is made complete in us and is manifested in us. And so all of those who truly love God and love the brethren, this is a mark of sonship. There are other marks, but here is the mark of marks. Because unless we love the Lord and one another, there's no other evidence strong enough to convince the world that we are the born-again children of God. If we'll just move out in love, we will prove to the world that God loves. And if we'll have within our hearts an irrevocable, undeniable, unchangeable love for each other, the world will come to know that God loves them. And they'll come to know that not simply by the preaching of the Word, but by the living of the Word and the practice of the Word in your heart and mine. Now let's talk about what love does. Three things that love does. Number one, love keeps the commandments of God. Love fulfills the law of God, particularly the law and the commandment that we love one another. In 1 John 4 and verse 20, John said, If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen, he cannot love God whom he has not seen. And he has given us this command, Whosoever loves God must also love his brother. You know, it's not always wrong to be blunt, is it? 
It's not always wrong to use great plainness of speech. Sometimes plainness of speech is needed. And John doesn't say that whoever says he loves God and yet hates his brother is mistaken. doesn't say that he's made a mistake. He says he is a liar. And no liar has eternal life abiding in him. Revelation 21 and verse 8. And so if a man does not love his brother, it's sure proof that he does not know God and he does not love God. I believe, as I'm sure you do, that's... That's one of America's greatest problems today. And I'm sure you will agree that there's a much deeper and darker problem in our nation today than this unseen virus that we call COVID. And that is it's the virus of sin that is sunken deeply into America's heart. The sin of not knowing God, not loving God, or loving one another. And we know that love doesn't mean that I have to accept everything that you think, say, and do and practice. That's not what love is. Love doesn't mean that I have to accept your lifestyle. Love doesn't mean that I have to accept whatever sexual expression you want, want to have in life. It doesn't mean that I have to accept your killing, killing of children in a mother's womb. It doesn't mean that. It means that I must keep the commandments of God. And I must treat you well. And I must love you and bring no harm to you. Let us love one another. Love is of God. He that loveth not knoweth not God. For God is love. Love discriminates between right and wrong. The Bible says, Abhor that which is evil and cleave to that which is good. Romans 12 and verse 9. So the kind of love that we're talking about is the kind of love that honors God's character, the kind of love that honors His laws, keeps His commands, His moral standards, and treats others kindly and respectfully and brings no harm to one's neighbor. Now why in the world did a police officer put his knee on the neck of a man and hold it there for almost nine minutes while the man was handcuffed? Why did he do that for that long while the man was saying, I can't breathe, I can't breathe, until finally George Floyd is dead? Why did that police officer do that? Because he did not know God, he did not love God, and therefore he did not love George Floyd. And why in the world did a riotous mob, as soon as that was over with, start all of the rape and the plunder and the burning, the atrocities, and all the stealing and the murdering, and now all, of our, all over our nation, in large cities especially, people are carrying out lawlessness and anarchy. Why is that occurring? Because we have raised up a nation of people who basically do not know God, do not love God, and do not love one another. It's a spiritual problem. In Portland, Oregon, just a few weeks ago, anarchists burned Bibles before the federal courthouse. The problem we have in our nation today is a spiritual problem, a faithless problem, and a fatherless problem. 
less than one-third of black children live in a two-parent household. That means that over two-thirds of black children are raised without a father. Family therapists will tell you that the absence of a father in the home predisposes children, especially boys, to academic failure, to criminal behavior, and economic hardship. Someone needs, therefore, to explain how that tearing down statues of Christopher Columbus, Thomas Jefferson, and Confederate generals tell us how that will help the black cause or any other cause. No. The answer is to put fathers back in our homes, to put faith and hope and love back in our hearts, and for us to return to the God who created us. Now, why has our nation over the past 100 years drifted so far away from God? It's because of progressive secular humanism. Man decided that he didn't need God nor want God. And therefore, there has been a blatant rejection of God's sovereignty, a blatant rejection of God's moral laws, and a blatant rejection of the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And hence, there has been a relentless attempt to remove God from our government, from our schools, from our homes, and ultimately from our hearts. The battle lines have been drawn. And the battle lines are between two religions. The religion of secular humanism and the religion of Judeo-Christian beliefs. I don't have to tell you which religion has been embraced by the liberal secular state. And I'm not talking about just one side of the aisle. The liberal secular state, the liberal secular schools of higher learning, and the liberal news media, and the liberal philosophies and worldviews of Hollywood. Those institutions have brought about the death and the destruction of our republic. You know, only Jesus can give us life and teach us how to love one another and to save us from our own self-destructive ways. And that begins in the home, doesn't it? Fathers, bring your children up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. My son, hear the instruction of your father and forsake not the law of your mother. Proverbs 1 and verse 8. The law of your mother. You see, law and love go together. Why there's so much lovelessness? Because there's so much lawlessness. Paul said in Romans 13, 8, Owe no man anything save to love one another. For he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law. What law? The Ten Commandments. Here we have Paul quoting the Ten Commandments from Exodus 20 and making it binding on you and me and not only on Christian people but upon every man, woman, boy, and girl who has ever lived or ever will live. We are all subject and responsible to keep the Ten Commandments of God. And what are they? Do not commit adultery. 
Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not covet. And whatever other commandment there may be, it's summed up in this one rule. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm its neighbor. That's Romans chapter 13 verse 10. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. This is God's moral law. Now wouldn't that solve a lot of our problems? God's love, number two, in us has an effect on the world. That's what love does. Love not only keeps the commandments of God, particularly to love one another, but love brings boldness in the day of judgment and has a great effect on the world in which you and I live. That's 1 John 4:17. Love has been perfected among us in this way that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as He is being a God of love, so are we in this world being a people of love. And so this entire section speaks of a certain quality of love. Love for the unlovable. Love for the unlovely. The God-like mature love of which the Bible speaks. And when we love in that way, it's a cosmic witness regarding God's redeeming purposes. God's love in a Christian speaks hope to the world. It is God's love in a Christian that transforms the world, transforms creation. And when brotherly love is perfected, we can have assurance and we can have Boldness, we do not have to fear because love, number three, casts out fear. That's 1 John 4, 17 and 18. There's no fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not made, been made perfect in love. There's no fear of the judgment when we love the judge. There's no fear of the creation when we love the creator. And when we understand God's love, we're not afraid to love. Now, I hope I've shared some thoughts with you uh, this morning on what love is and what love does. We need to make that application of our relationships in the home, the relationships in the community, in the church, and in our nation. And pray for the leaders of our nation to lead our people back to God. Let's stand soon.